We'll jump right into the word. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth. Help us to live a life worthy of our calling. Send your spirit to us. Bless the word tonight. Help the preacher just be able to get it right in your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to start off in uh, Mark chapter 9 tonight. So Mark chapter 9, you can turn there. And tonight, it's, uh, it's on my heart to encourage us along in our walks of faith. To encourage us in our walks of faith. You know, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to be in a walk with each other and push each other and encourage each other and strengthen each other in our faith, amen? Faith is such a part of our life. I say that sort of sarcastically. It is our life, amen, saints? Faith is our life. It's our Christian life. It's our duty. And we know the scripture. There's a scripture in Hebrews 11, 6, right? But without faith, it's impossible to please him, right? So faith is very important in our walk. And he who comes to God, right? We know the scripture, must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them who seek him out diligently. So I'll share right off the bat. If you're an unbeliever and you're hearing this message, know it is, it is impossible to please God without faith. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you may think you are, even myself, we cannot please God without faith. But the Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for us, amen, to have faith. And tonight I want to look at an account where a believing, there was a believing and an unbelieving heart. A believing and an unbelieving heart. And it was put to the test. And there's some great advice in this account, I think. You know, even, even for a pastor like me, you know, every Wednesday, I, not every Wednesday, every other Wednesday, I go to share the word and I'm sitting to share the word and my watch beeps. I look down at my watch and it says, time to relax, your heart rate's up. <laughs> and I'm literally sitting on my couch reading, preparing for the word. Half an hour later, beep, time to relax, your heart rate's up. I'm like, I'm not, so I just take my watch off. I get stressed. You know, hey, it's simple. Just, just obey the Lord. What does the Lord want you to share? Yes, it's, that's, it's simple, right? But we're humans, right? And we have, sometimes we can struggle with a little unbelief, a little doubt, a little struggle in our hearts to be like, calm down. It's okay. My watch is saying, calm down. It's okay. My watch knows better than my own soul knows better, right? Calm down. You'll be okay. But this is what we struggle with. And we'll see tonight how faith and unbelief can sometimes interact in your life and cause you to stall a little bit before Jesus. And we'll see that in an account tonight in Matthew chapter 9, verse 24. We can see this part in, the, in, the, in, in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. We'll just jump right into the half of this verse to see where I got, where we're studying. And it says, I believe help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. This was cried out by a man who had a problem, a man who was under stress, a man who had a problem. He cried out, I believe, help my unbelief, right to Jesus. And my message entitled, is titled tonight, the, uh, the Believing Unbelieving Heart. The Believing Unbelieving Heart. We know it is with the heart that we would believe, saints, amen? You can read this in Romans chapter 10. You remember the scripture in Romans chapter 10? I believe it's verses 
8 and 9, if, I, if I'm correct. Confess, you know, with your mouth and what? Believe in your heart, right? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's raised up from the dead, right? This is faith comes within our heart and from our heart we confess, right? So faith, faith comes within our heart. Our heart is an important it's an important place where faith can be established. So unbelief, right off the bat, we can think of unbelief as sort of a, as sort of a human problem. It's not a Jesus problem. Unbelief, doubt, fear, angst, unsure. That's not, a, that's not a Jesus problem. That's a human problem. It comes right from our own hearts. It comes from, right from within us. Right off the bat, we can learn this from just reading a few scriptures. It's important to realize a struggle in faith is not the God problem, but God knows how to help you in your struggle. And that's where comfort comes in. Although it's not a God problem per se, your struggle in faith and doubting and, and unsure, God knows how to help you. And I want to encourage the church tonight, you know, I have a heart that the Lord's Spirit moves among us, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow among us. I really have a, have a heart for that. You see that word, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. I want the spirit of the Lord to move among us. I want the spirit of the Lord to move in individuals, the young and the old, male and female. I want the Lord to move within families and households. I want the Lord to move in our academy. I want the Lord to move in your workplace and stir in your heart, prick your heart, no one to witness, no one to lay hands on the sick that they can be made whole. These things, it burns in my heart that our church can do this. Amen? Does it yours also? This thing comes by faith. There's no room for unbelief in these areas. And I want to encourage the, the, the congregation as I share tonight, even in our Sunday night prayer night, come to the Lord in faith, full of faith. And we'll see that tonight. Jeremiah captured this idea about the heart straight from the Lord. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah. And you guys, uh, most of you, if you're well-versed in the Bible, will Know this verse, right from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yikes. Yikes. This This is what Jehovah, L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, God Almighty. This is what he says about the human heart. It's deceitful above all things. It's wicked. Who can know it? And you know what? The NIV translates it, and many other translations read this way, or, or have uh, maybe read along this vein of thought. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. There's no cure for it. And who can understand it? Think about that for a moment. Your heart, the Hebrew word is, I believe you pronounce it, lave. Your heart is sick. The human heart, maybe not your heart per se, the believing heart, right? But, but as human beings left alone, our own intuition, our own mind, there's something wrong with it. It's defunct a little bit. It's not running. It's not beating like it should. It's not beating like it should be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The inner man, it refers to the inner man, our intellect, our understanding, and even at sometimes our own human will. So our own human will, our own intellect, our own understanding. This is why it really makes sense now if you think about it like this, why Solomon wrote in the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, lean not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. This is why it was so important to have the Lord direct your path. It's, it's worth, my young brothers and sisters, as you're finding out a career path for you, to spend time to let the Lord direct your path. It's worth it to sh- shut your door at night and maybe say, Lord, I'm not coming out till I get an answer. It's worth it. Lean not to your own understanding. Why did Solomon say that? Well, we just, we, we just saw a visual play of why Solomon might have said that, right? From our young kids at the academy. But the idea is this, that our own heart is deceitful. It leads us, it's full of pride. It can lead us down the wrong path. And the heart can, can change. I hope I didn't ruin anyone's uh, Valentine's Day. I love you, baby, with all my heart. I knew there was something up with him. His heart's deceitful. No, we love our wives and our wives love us, amen? But the heart is deceitful, right? The Lord said the human heart is deceitful. Deceitful in Hebrew paints a picture of a swelling, like a swelling knoll. Think of a wave that comes up and goes down. It's very unstable in some ways. It's very emotional. It swells up with pride. Then it comes down. What, is that guy looking at me as he passes in front of me? What's up with it? It swells up. And then it comes down. Did that guy just say something to me? It gets offended and it comes down. It's constantly changing. It's constantly going back and forth. It's distorted in its view. It's fraudulent. It's crooked. It's polluted. This is the heart that we have. Wow, it seems so crazy. This is our heart. I'm trying to paint a limp picture because the Lord is our Savior. He directs our path. Simply put, the heart is full of pride. You know, brothers and sisters, we, by default from being born, we have to deal with pride in our hearts. We have to deal with it. We have to overcome it. Pride's going to well up. Certain situations can make pride well up. Uh, 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 a concern, a lack, of, a lack of hearing from the Lord in prayer can make frustration well up in your heart, discouragement well up, well up in your heart. It can be one of those swells that come up in your life. How do you deal with that when you say, maybe the Lord doesn't care about me in my prayer life? He hasn't answered me. How how do you deal with, hey, that brother doesn't care that he offended me? How do you deal with, hey, my healing that I'm praying for is not coming? It's not coming quick enough that I want. You know what happens in our hearts? It starts to swell up. Evil can take root. See, God doesn't care. See, the church brothers and sisters don't care. I'm going to tell you, those are seeds of unbelief. You can have a believing heart. You can have a believing heart. I believe in God, but I believe in God, however. See, that that however is a seed of unbelief. So you can have a believing heart and be unbelieving. The Lord doesn't want this for us. He wants a heart full of faith. He wants a heart dead fast, dead set on him and what his thoughts are. A heart that's not full of faith, can lead to unwanted plans, unwanted decisions. It begins to pollute the body. It changes the thinking. It changes the behavior. It can change the way we, we talk to people, how we behave around certain people. The heart is sick, the Lord says. It's not only incurable, but it's not well known about either. You can say, why well, trust my judgment? I know my heart. Even the Lord said, Who can understand it? Who can understand it? You ever think you know somebody well and, oh, I know know what they'll say. I know what they'll say. I'll go talk to them. I know what they'll say. You go talk to them and you're like, 
Oh, I didn't think they were going to say that. I, I thought I knew him pretty well. I don't think they were going to say that. You see, who can understand the heart? Who can understand its ways? That tells me, my brothers and sisters, if you believe the word of God, if you believe Jehovah, our Lord, we can't trust our human heart. We can't trust our gut. You know what they say? Trust your gut. Go with your gut. How about this? Go with the spirit of the Lord. What is the spirit of the Lord telling you to do? Where is your faith leading you to do? What is the right thing to do in Jesus? Think about that. There's so many gray areas in our Christian walks. There's so many gray areas. Is this right? Can I do this? Can I do that? Is this okay? Can I look like this? Can I look like that? I want to encourage you tonight. What is Jesus Christ telling you? Because oftentimes there is an answer there. But when you have a believing heart, and that believing heart is there, but sometimes that believing heart struggles with the human heart. And the human heart might say, but it's okay to do that. But your believing heart says, just serve the Lord and stop worrying about that. But your human heart says, but it's okay to do that. You see? And there's a struggle and unbelief starts to well up in there. Now there's a little bit of confusion. Hey, I don't understand. Why is, why is this? But there's this also. And there's also this. It leads to confusion. And what does confusion do for us? It takes our mind off God. It takes our mind off the plan. It takes our mind off seeking the Lord. It takes our mind off being filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes our mind off getting into the word and seeking a word for, for work that day. How you can witness to somebody. It's a little bit confusing for us. But I want to remind you tonight that Jesus Christ understands the heart of man. Hallelujah, right? Jesus Christ understands, so there's comfort in that. And he understands your heart tonight, wherever you may be. Whatever position in life you may be in, you may be like, I got this all down. Christianity, I'm good with it. God understands your heart and he knows what's coming around the corner for you. So rely on him. Rely on him. How can a believer take a step to move doubt and unbelief out of their heart? We'll see that tonight. And you know what? Ironically, the answer is human dependent. The Lord puts it on us to make the decision. Are we going all in? Are we staying half in? Are we all in? Are we staying half in? We are all aware, amen, brothers and sisters, and I am too, that hurt in the heart can lead to frustration, anger. Brother, Brother Brian just, just spoke a wonderful word on Sunday morning. Sometimes hurt in the heart can even lead to unforgiveness. It can lead for, to unforgiveness in your heart. Hurt in your heart, frustration, feeling mistreated and not understood, being, not being healed, not being heard in prayer, feeling alone in the body of Christ. These trials can be so strong, they can almost feel incurable. There's no answer. You say what you want to me, brother. Say what you want to me. There's no answer for this. I'm so frustrated. It's been so long. Say what you want. You're not going to change how I feel. There's a little bit of unbelief in there. That's unbelief. That's unbelief saying that God, God, you can't touch me. We'll even see tonight that the man who was touched even questioned, God, I don't know if you can do this or not, but take a swing at it if you want to. Jesus wasn't happy with him when he said that. From a human perspective, it's not only incurable, but it's also sometimes not wanting to be cured. Sometimes we wallow in our frustration. We like to be grumpy sometimes. We like to sit, nope, I'm, been, I'm mad right now, and give me a, give me a couple weeks to stay mad at, at Pastor Ben. Give me a couple weeks to stay mad at him. 
We can, we can wallow in that. And again, I want to encourage you in this. All that does is make your eyes get off Jesus. If you wallow in frustration, say, for example, me, for example, guess what you're doing every time you see me? You're not thinking about Jesus Christ. You're not turning your heart to Jesus Christ. You're not relying on Jesus Christ, the, the author and finisher, the source of our salvation, the source of our faith. What great things he can do in you if your eyes were on him and not on man. What great things he can do in us if our eyes are not on ourselves, but on him. Amen, saints? This is not the plan that Jesus had for his followers. He wants us full of faith and to be used by him. And let's get into that account in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 9. Let's start reading it. We'll pick up this account in Matthew, and it's uh, just to give you a little background, right before this account um, in Matthew chapter 9, the transfiguration had just happened. So, so Jesus took Peter, James, and John, as you recall. And if you don't, Jesus uh, picked three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he asked them, come with me. I want to go up on a mountain, a high mountain. And they went up on a mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them. A really wonderful event. And, and, and on their way down from that mountain, this is where we pick up this account. So Jesus is walking back from just being transfigured. Wow, and, and three of his disciples were with him, and they're walking back. And the rest of the disciples, you can say the, the nine remaining disciples that were there, because he had 12, and maybe some other followers, were left at the base of the mountain. And we pick up here that they got engaged in this conversation and arguments with some of the, the teachers of the law. And, and Jesus noticed this, and it says this in uh, verse 16 of, of Mark chapter 9. It says this, I'll be reading out of the NIV just for the ease of of reading it. But it says this, uh, what are you arguing about with them? He asked. So Jesus, as he comes off the mountain, he sees his disciples arguing with uh, uh, some religious people. And he asked them, what are you arguing with them? And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. So I find this very telling that Jesus who searches and examines the hearts and minds, we know from scriptures, don't we saints, that Jesus already knows what men are thinking when they whisper it to themselves. This has been proven by the Lord before. I believe the Lord knew what they were arguing about. But he wanted them to tell, confess to him what the argument was. What's your problem? Hey boys, what's your problem? You know what, they couldn't, they couldn't speak up right away. They couldn't speak up. They, they had a little lack of faith, and we, we'll know why they had a little lack of faith in a little bit, but they, they couldn't speak up right away. And, and instead, a man speaks up. A man speaks up and says, I have this son who's possessed with a devil, with a spirit, I should say, and it's robbed him of speech. But he asked his disciples, what are you arguing about? Jesus knew. But in a way, Jesus was saying, what issue has brought about conflict in your heart that you're arguing? He wanted them to confess it to him. What's the issue? Confess it to me. Tell me about it. And saints, right off the bat, one of the first lessons we can see, sometimes we get in arguments with ourselves, arguments with others, frustrations in ourselves, and we hold on to those arguments whether they're defensive arguments, offensive arguments, but something conflicts in our heart. It conflicts in our mind. It ruffles our spirit a little bit. It bothers us. It distracts us. I want to encourage you tonight that Jesus' response to this is 
Tell him about it. He's not a God that's far from us. He's not a God that's distant. I spoke on Sunday night how big and how vast the Lord is. How it's all and everything and always and never. All these, all these great uh, quantifiers of, of just the, the greatness of the Lord. I sit in uh, Pastor Brian's uh, uh, in, uh, Bible class and they're talking about the cosmos and creation and it's huge and pictures that he shows universes upon universes upon universes. He's big. But I want to tell you something. He's not too big and that's pretty big to be intimately involved with you one-on-one. And here's the deal. When we hold on to a conflict, when we hold on to something that, that burdens us, that bothers us, that, that angst us, that prevents us from, from coming in and entering his presence of worship, that stops us from being able to fellowship with the brethren, that stops us from being able to progress in Jesus Christ, go to the next step that stops us from being filled with the Holy Ghost, that stops us from, from being able to lay hands on the sick to behold, something inside of us that conflicts with us, that angers us, that frustrates us. This is what Jesus' response was. What's the problem? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And I want to encourage the brethren tonight, Jesus wants to hear from you. Don't hold on to your problems. Don't hold on to them so much that it makes you become secluded that it pushes you away because you can't handle it so much you separate yourself. This is not what the Lord, when he came down from the mountain, he just got transfigured. He could have been like, I'm on such a wonderful thing. I can't wait to dip back into heaven. These guys on earth, oh my, these guys on earth, what a, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm, I, don't want, I don't want to waste time with them. Quite the opposite. Boys, what's the problem? I want to encourage the church tonight. If there's a conflict in your heart, one of the first things we can do is confess to Jesus. Jesus, I have a problem. I have a problem. I have a problem right now, Lord. I I can't figure it out. I have a problem. It's bothering me. But the first thing we can do is bring it right to Jesus. He asks, what's your problem? Tell Jesus your problems. Amen? Hallelujah. It's a life application for us today. What is your problem? How about this, verse 17? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit and it has robbed him of speech. This is what I'm talking about. In the trials of faith, the first thing we must do is confess to our Lord Jesus Christ. This man did it. His disciples were silent. He couldn't help his disciples. We'll see later on his disciples spoke up. Later on his disciples said, Jesus, what did we do wrong? And he helped them. But here they were silent. They were silent. Did they get response from Jesus Christ here? No, the person who got response was the person who confessed. What's your problem? Why are you arguing? Oh, I have a problem. My son's possessed. Jesus focused on him. This is what Jesus does. He wants to hear from us. Put your request before the Lord. Enter into his throne with boldness. Amen? The Lord, the disciples should have spoke, but they did not. I understand it may not be easy, but the reward to confess your problems to Jesus Christ is huge. I think it was Neil Armstrong that said, I think it was Neil Armstrong, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Confession, one small confession to Jesus is a giant step in your faith for eternity. One small confession, Jesus, 
I've sinned. Jesus, I sinned. I made a mistake. I need forgiveness. Jesus, I'm struggling with this in my life. Maybe I'm struggling with forgiveness, Lord. I'm going to confess to you, Jesus. I'm struggling with forgiveness. I have anger in my heart, Lord. I have anger. I can't, I can't fellowship anymore because I have anger. One confession can be a giant step for your faith into eternity. One small confession. Look what happened to this boy. Let's look at the next verse, 18. Whenever it seizes, so the father continues to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus replied, your unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Wow, there's a lot here, but I want to focus on this for the message tonight. Once we confess our problem, we have to bring it to Jesus. Once we confess, Lord, I have a problem, I have a problem. We have to bring that problem to Jesus now. It's not okay just to say, yep, you're right, I have a problem, see you later. No, it's, I have a problem, I need help. I'm going to put it on the altar. I'm going to put it before the Lord. It's not okay just to say, the Lord's not happy with just confess and you'll be okay. No, it's confess and have an action with that confession. Look what Jesus says here. Look what Jesus says here. Bring the boy to me. Bring, who, what, what did the boy represent in this story? Did he not rep- represent the problem? Was not he the source of the problem? We'll see later the disciples could not, well, the man said it, the disciples could not heal him. We'll see later that's what the disciples were probably arguing about. The boy. The boy was the problem. Jesus said, bring the boy to me. Can I, can I put it in a different way? Bring the problem to me. Bring the problem to me. We tend to think in our society, you know, this, this boy, this, this man had brought the boy to other men. Hey, these are godly, these, are, these men were with Jesus. I'm going to bring the boy to other men. Maybe these other men can help me. It's not a bad thing. I, 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 have, I love having godly friends in the Lord that I can go to and talk to and they can slap me on the back of the head when I'm not being on point and they can pat me on the back when I'm being on point and we can rub shoulders with each other and I go to my brother's houses and they invite me for coffee and they, they encourage me and they rub shoulders with me. That's awesome. Sometimes we don't get an answer out of that, though. Sometimes the frustration is so deep and so big that you're like, okay, brother, yep, I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, trust in the Lord. Yep. It's so big. I know what you're going to say to me. Read your Bible. I know what you're going to say to me. Go to church. I know what you're going to say to me. I know what you're going to say. I've been here long enough. I know what you're going to say. Right? We can have a heart like this. But here's the issue. Sometimes men around us and the family of God around us, sometimes the problem's so deep in us that the only thing we can do is drop it off at the altar. We can talk to other people about it, but it's not going to fix our problem. It's not going to fix our problem because we know. We have a little bit of struggling, right? Our heart, our heart is who can understand it? Who can know the heart? Who knows the heart? Jesus Christ knows the heart. And here's what he says about your heart. Drop it off at the altar. Leave it to me. I'll take care of your heart. Drop your problem off at the altar. Jesus told the man, you have a problem? Confess it. The man confessed, I have a problem. It's my boy. Okay, bring that problem to me. Let's take a look at it. Confess. Act on your confession. Amen?
I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage us on Sunday nights, my brothers and sisters. We pray sometimes with a little bit too much hesitancy. Hey, Lord, hey, if you can pray for heal this, great. But hey, if you, if you can't quite touch it there, why don't you try this, Lord? And if, if that doesn't work, I'd like to have this too. You can maybe do this for me. I want to tell you on Sunday nights when you come to pray, bring the problem to the Lord. Lord, here's my problem. This is what I'm asking, period. And have faith that the Lord will touch you. Have faith that the Lord will heal you. Have faith that the Lord will deliver you. Don't come with a believing, unbelieving heart. Come with a believing heart. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who what? Strengthens me. Your heart has to be filled. See, that works when your heart's filled with Jesus. If your heart has Jesus, he can strengthen your Jesus-filled heart to do all things. If your heart doesn't have Jesus, it's very hard for strengthen, to strengthen your non-filled Jesus heart to do all things. But he didn't fill the Jesus heart to do all things. Jesus said, bring the problem to me, nothing doubting. The struggle is not knowing if you will be justified the way you want to be justified. The struggle is not knowing if I'll be healed the way I thought I want to be healed. I want to remind you tonight that not being healed is not a failure. Not being healed is not a failure. It's a walk with faith. It's a test of your faith. It's okay. Sometimes we get in life and sometimes we run through trials and the trials may last your whole life. That's not a failure. The failure is having an unbelieving heart. The failure is starting to doubt. The failure is separating yourself from where God has placed you. The failure is faith. Our physical bodies are going to pass away. We're going to get new bodies. Don't worry about your physical body. Worry about your faith. Where's your faith? Look at verse 20. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, this is quite fascinating. I really enjoyed this account, getting into it the last couple of days. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion, and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. So the Spirit saw, saw Jesus Christ and was like, uh-oh. This is my last hurrah right here. This is my last hurrah, this poor boy, Right? And Jesus asked the boy, how long has he been like this? What a caring Savior we have. And the, boy, and the father said, from childhood. Take note, saints. Here's another example. Here's another lesson. Take note. Sometimes you will get resistance from others. Sometimes you will get resistance from your own heart as you go to drop off your problem to Jesus Christ. Sometimes your own self can say, uh, hold on, don't let it go so quick. This was your identity. This is how people knew you. Don't let it go so quick. Don't, let, don't drop it off so quick. Pride and unbelief can say, don't do it. Wait. It can start to seep into your heart. You might say it's a problem. It's a problem. I can't let it go, but it's a problem, but I can't let it go. Jesus is the answer. You may say, Brother Ben, you don't know how long I've been having this problem in my life. You don't know how long it's been on my heart. I've been struggling with this. It's complicated. You will understand. It's very big. I want to encourage you on this, on that point. I probably won't understand. You're right. Just like you won't understand everything in my life, I won't understand everything in your life. 
But Jesus understands both of us. And he can work through one man to help another man. He can work through one lady to help another lady. Jesus Christ uses people to help other people. I firmly believe that. Look at us tonight. Is not the church people helping other people? But look at what Jesus says to the man. I've often wondered, why did Jesus ask him, how long has it been going on for? What did it matter to Jesus? How long has the problem been going on for? Did Jesus, was Jesus wondering, boy, you put up with this for a long time. Why are you just coming to me now for this? You've been, you've been putting up for this since childhood? I, I've been walking around this area for X amount of days. Why X amount of years? Why have you been holding on to this for so long? And you may say, but it been, my problem's been a long time. Has it been since childhood? Because this boy's problem was since childhood. And Jesus still delivered him. Jesus still took it off his heart. You may say it's deep-rooted. This was a spirit within him that he had no control over. And Jesus delivered him. Jesus lifted him up right off the ground by the hand and restored his health 100%. 100%. 100%. And it was all because, hey, it wasn't about how long your trial has been going on for. It wasn't how deep-rooted the hurt was. It wasn't how how many roots it had around your heart and was growing around your heart. That's, not, that's a big deal to us as humans. That's a big deal to us as humans. That's not a big deal to the Lord of the universe. That's not a big deal to the Lord of, Lord of the universe. If we take the attitude in our faith, you don't know what it's like, brother. You don't know what it's like, brother. I'm going to tell you, it's no different than this evil spirit when it sees Jesus Christ to start flopping around and want to run away from Jesus. It's no different. It's no different. We had that, that evil spirit was an unbelieving spirit. I'm not saying you're, you have an unbelieving spirit in the sense a demon, but I'm saying you might have a little unbelief in your heart. You might have a little, um, you don't know what it's like. I'm not, I, you don't understand what it's like. Hey, a brother's pointing you to turn to Jesus. Oh, I knew you'd say that. You don't understand how deep-rooted my problem is. Just like the evil spirit did to the boy. There's the answer. I see the answer in front of me. No, Jesus said, bring the problem to me. Jesus knows. You're right, I don't know. Jesus knows your problem. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows how deep it is inside of you. How much scars you might have. How much scar tissue builds up around it. You know, Jesus knows. And the Lord is telling us, let go. Let go. Our sick and unhealthy hearts can come up with a thousand excuses. Can come up with a thousand excuses. Why not to let go? Why not to confess? Hey, it's not my problem. I don't have a problem. Blame that guy. But I want to tell you, the Lord says, no, I'm blaming you. I want to hear from you. I want you to confess. His disciples weren't answered. They didn't talk. But when the man spoke, they had the problem, the Lord responded to him. We have to talk to Jesus Christ. If the Lord is calling you to let go, here's my advice to you. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go of the hurt. Confess. Bring the problem to him. Lay it down. Believe that he will fill you with overcoming faith. Believe that he will take away that void. Don't fight it. Don't fight it with thoughts in your heart and mind. Remember, the heart on its own is sick. 
The heart on its own is incurable. But Jesus came to save the heart of men, to take away the, away the stony heart and put a heart of flesh, a heart that's fresh, a heart that's believing, a heart that can reason with the Lord. The people says, come, let us reason together. A heart that is with unbelief cannot reason with the Lord. But a heart that's full of faith can reason with the Lord and be, can be directed. It can be free. You may have had that conflict for many, many years. Unanswered prayer, unsaved family. The Lord wants you to drop that problem off at his feet. Drop it off the cross. Faith and unbelief are the problem in that situation. You may look, no, it's actually a physical problem. I see the, I see, I see the problem in front of me. It's, that's the physical problem. No, the Lord says the physical problem is not what you see in front of you. The physical problem is a spiritual problem of unbelief. Look what happens in verse 22. Look what the father says. It has often thrown him into a fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You see what, your, what, what the deep-rooted issue that spirit, what it was doing to him was trying to kill the boy. It was sucking the life out of him. And our conflicts in life can suck our spiritual life out of us. They can suck the spiritual life right out of us. They can keep us from fellowshipping the brethren together. They can keep us from moving spiritually forward. Our, our frustration and, and not hearing from the Lord in prayer, not getting what we want from the Lord can suck the life right out of us because unbelief begins to settle in there. Don't let unbelief into your heart. The man said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Oh, this wasn't quite a great response to Jesus. Jesus picked up on this pretty quickly. I, don't, I think if I was there, if you could use your imagination, and the man says to Jesus, basically the man says, I mean, I don't blame him, right? If you could think about this man for a child that he's been having a boy who's been possessed by a spirit. It says that it threw him into the water. You just, maybe they were in a boat and the, the spirit would throw him off the boat and it was going to drown. The dad had to jump out in the water and rescue him. Maybe as they're at a, at a fire, the spirit would throw him in the fire. The dad was the one there pulling him out of the fire. Maybe the, the dad spent time, hey, he was seeking out the disciples. Can you help me here? I'm sure before he sought out the disciples, he probably did, every, just like any of us would do that have kids, probably spent time with physicians, and I'm sure they had physician assistants back then also. Probably spent time with them, helping them out, asking them questions, you know, working with them. I'm sure the father did everything he could to help this boy out. It was a long-rooted problem. And nobody kept having, nope, 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 nope. Year two, year three, year four, year five, year six. Boy, that could be frustrating. You know, what the, you know what the father's heart was? You know what, Jesus? Give a swing at it. <laughs> I've tried everyone else. Jesus, I guess you can try it. That was not a response Jesus liked. And here's another lesson for us. When we come to Jesus, come believing. Come believing. So you're going to confess. You're going to confess, I have a problem. You're going to bring that problem before the Lord. And when you drop it off the Lord, you're going to come believing, Lord, I know that when I drop this problem off to you, you're going to take it from my hands. The Lord said, what do you mean, if I can? Look at verse 23. The NIV says it this way, if you can, because the man said, Lord, if you can, help us, have pity on us. And Jesus responds to the man, if you can? In other words, if I can? Jesus was saying, oh, I know I can. But here's what he said to him. 
Everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It was revealed to the boy's father that he had a believing, unbelieving heart. And the Lord called him out on it. You have a believing, unbelieving heart. All things are possible not for the believing, unbelieving heart. All things are possible for the believing heart. All things are possible for the believing heart. There is no doubt that this man's heart was believing. He came looking, amen, saints? Brothers and sisters, who is Jesus to us? Who is Jesus to you? Jesus was offended that this man would think, Lord, I guess I'll try you. I guess I'll give it a shot. Nothing else has worked. Jesus didn't like that. What a personal God we have. He wants to hear from us. He wants to see us. And when we come to him, he wants us coming full of faith. Jesus said in verse 23, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Jesus healed the boy that day. It's a testament for our lives, saints. It's a testament for our watch. Can we take a lesson from this story? Problems in life can cause our believing hearts to turn towards unbelief. The last Wednesday I shared, we talked about taking your heart and turning towards God. Being Godward. Face God. Turn towards him. Turn towards him. And when you turn towards him, turn towards him full of faith, nothing doubting. If you want the Lord to move in your life, if you want the Spirit to touch in your life, hey, healings may come, healings may not come. But if you want the Lord to move in your life and touch you and fill you and give you peace through your trial, turn towards him with a heart fully believing that he can take your problem. Remember, the problem is not other men, as we so often see in society. We tend to look, oh, that's the guy that caused the problem. That's the girl that causes my frustration. No, the problem comes within us, letting go and letting God. Letting go and letting God. King David wrote this in Psalms chapter 26, 2. David wrote, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. I want to encourage you, if this is for you tonight, I want you to encourage you to ask the Lord to examine your heart. Test your heart. Seek your heart. Lord, what is holding you back from working in my life? Is there any unbelief? Is there any seed of discouragement? If there's any seed of unbelief in my heart, if there's any seed of frustration towards the brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, please remove it. I want to confess that it I want to proclaim it. I want to bring it to the altar. I'm going to believe that if I do that, you'll take it away and I'll be free to serve you with all of my heart. And that's my word for tonight, saints. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. So Lord, we we pray for your encouragement, Lord, that from this lesson tonight, Lord, that Jesus, that you taught us that we can confess our sins before you and you're faithful to hear us, that we can drop them off at the cross because your blood covers us and forgives us, Lord, and we can walk in newness of life as your scripture testifies. If we proclaim with your mouth and believe in our hearts that you are Lord, you will give us a new heart, not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh that can reason and walk and listen with you and be filled with faith so we can have an eternity spent with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great night, brethren. Thank you.